When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast on a day when Roger Federer reminded us of his majesty. What an extraordinary performance he has just put in to beat Andy Murray, who was playing a really, really good match. And it means that Roger Federer will face Novak Djokovic once again in the Wimbledon final. My name is David Law, part of the BBC Radio 5 Live tennis team. I'm joined by Catherine Whitaker, who's on the Live at Wimbledon team. This is The Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world, and Catherine Whitaker. Wow. Wow. Have there ever been two more dramatic or competitive straight sets matches? I don't think there have. I mean, look at us. We're utterly exhausted and, and on paper, two straight set semi-finals. But I mean, if ever a scoreline has not told the story of a match, it's particularly the second one, but also the, the first one as well. Absolutely. Obviously, Novak Djokovic defeating Richard Gasquet. There was some some good moments in that, but there was always the feeling that there was an inevitability about the way it was going to end up. Not the case on paper and the way the match started between Federer and Murray, because Federer served first and immediately Murray was out of the blocks. He hit one lovely topspin lob, but then Federer just went into a mode that I, I honestly didn't know he had in him anymore. I mean, I, I'm not sure that Roger Federer, even after the 17 years I've been watching him and had the privilege to, to experience his tennis, I, I don't think I've ever seen him play better, ever. And I just didn't think what he did today was possible anymore. The guy's nearly 34. I know, well, I can tell you Mats Volander agrees with you. He said instantly upon the conclusion of that match, that is the best tennis match. Roger Federer has ever played and at the age of 33 with everything that he's done with everything in his private life where he finds the motivation from having four kids etc etc the context of having just performed probably the best he ever has done on the biggest stage is I mean the superlatives run out I don't think words can do it justice I mean as I said in an earlier podcast my brother sends me a little text with his assessment of how Federer played uh, and I think it was after one of the early rounds he said low, low level God mode for Federer today well today I got a text saying wow it turns out Federer has a level above God mode uh, and I think that sums it up I mean it was I was going to say sublime there and then I just thought that's not enough it was the pretty much the best tennis I have ever 
scene. And it was really interesting in that I watched Murray's post-match press conference and uh, there were very little, there were sort of very few questions people could ask about sort of decisions and things he chose to do throughout the match because none of that match was decided by Murray. He played really well, but he had no agency in that match because it was just Federer being brilliant. And uh, Murray was as good a foil to that as I think anybody could have been today. Federer was unbeatable. I, I mentioned at the start that Federer was put under just the ever so slight bit of pressure in the first game. But then what was notable throughout that first set is is the first serve percentages of both players. I think at one point I made a note that of the first 28 points of the match, only two were missed first serves by either player. That's how well they were both serving. And Andy Murray alluded to that at the end of the match in his post-match press conference. He said, that's the best I've served all week. He lost in straight sets. And you know, they got close, didn't they, in that first set to four games all. And then Federer just, just ramped it up, put the pressure on, asked the questions and delivered. He did more than ask the questions. He, I mean, I, 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 you keep sticking the microphone under me and I just, I'm failing for words because what he did was extraordinary. I mean, I, all I can do is yet again churn out the wisdom of Max Valander, which something really interesting that he was doing throughout the match whilst we were watching off camera is he was commenting on every single shot that he thought had specific Edberg influence in it and there were so many he said that's a shot so often he was saying that is a shot that Federer wouldn't be hitting if it weren't for Edberg so he was commenting on the technique on the backhand completely different particularly on the backhand return there were a couple of backhand down the line returns he said Federer didn't have that shot before Edberg and so much in what he was doing out there was Edberg influence and he said I mean he's obviously great long-time friends with Stefan Edberg and he said this will be one of the proudest moments of his career not just coaching career of his career what he and Federer achieved today. Well I got to speak to Stefan Edberg about 10 minutes ago on BBC Radio 5 Live and I think the first question I asked him was were you surprised was that even a surprise to you how well Roger Federer played and you could see in his body language the pride that you just mentioned there but he was he was taken aback that Roger Federer at this age against that level of opponent could could produce a performance like that it was basically flawless the second set is the one that I got chance to commentate on it was 57 minutes long it finished about two hours ago I still feel like lying down you know it was, it was so exhausting trying to keep up with the two of them because Murray was just fighting tooth and nail for all he was worth and that 10th game which I think we included five set points for Federer and somehow Andy Murray managed to fight through those he got over I said at the time it it was followed by pretty much a love service game for Roger Federer and it was as, as though Andy Murray was pushing a car up a hill and then suddenly Roger Federer was getting into it and just freewheeling down the other side and saying right up you go again then Andy yeah, and I think Murray deserves some sort of point or some he, he deserves sort of an honorary set for serving a second serve ace on a set point uh, because I think it was actually something we discussed in the Aegon Championships tennis podcast, wasn't it? Uh, is a second serve ace on match point one of the, the most exciting thing in tennis? Well, it was only a set point, but it was sort of almost effectively a match point and that was just one of 
the most exciting moments in tennis that I can remember that uh, it turned out not to be as crucial as everyone was saying on, on, on Twitter everyone was saying the match the match pivots right here you know if Murray can hold on to this he'll probably break the next game and lots of people tweeted Federer held on to his serve to love in the following game so many people were saying you know 99% of players after squandering that many set points would go on to get broken in the next game it's just the mentality and how momentum works in tennis and Federer held to love and Murray was serving again sort of within a split second you blinked and Murray was having to serve again after that monumental effort and uh, I suppose the match kind of did pivot there in a way just not the way anybody was expecting. No because eventually Federer went on to take that second set by seven games to five and the third you uh, there was a moment Richard Krejcik was sitting next to us and he looked at Murray at the end of that second set and he said you know, I never thought I'd be watching this match and Murray would be the one who looks tired because he's probably physically the fitter of the two men, but the mental, psychological, emotional pressure that Roger Federer was putting him under, it, it just exhausts opponents. Yeah, I don't think there was very much physical fatigue there. or What physical fatigue there was would have been a direct consequence of the mental fatigue. I mean, I can't really conceive of the pressure that one, one feels facing facing anybody playing that way I mean and the frustration the mental frustration of thinking I'm playing really really well here and I'm not getting a look in I basically don't stand a chance and also the frustration of playing somebody just at serving that well I mean so many rallies you're just not in I mean is I I, I want some verification of this but I've heard his first serve percentage was 85 percent in that match which is just I mean extraordinary I mean and I almost think if if Federer doesn't come out and play like that in the final now it will be a disappointment that's the Federer everybody wants to see in the final isn't it and uh, he, I think he can come out and play less well than that and still win because I, th- I think I think he has gears to spare with, with that performance today to win the title here especially given uh, we seem to be looking at a slightly subpar Novak Djokovic oh Hold on a minute. The guy's in the Wimbledon final. What's subpar about Novak Djokovic? Uh, he didn't look himself today, body language-wise. Of the two of the two players, Novak Djokovic looked the one to be unhappy. If you had to guess just on the basis of body language, who was the player that was two sets of love up today when Djokovic was against Gasquet, you'd probably have guessed Gasquet because Djokovic just didn't look... himself. I think he is struggling a little bit for confidence. I think there's... He's in the Wimbledon final. What are you talking about? Well, I mean... How can you be in a Grand Slam final struggling for confidence? Because he's the world number one and he's... Yeah, he was was really, really tested against Kevin Anderson. He didn't play particularly well to come through that. I think the fact that he's world number one and uh, the, the toll mentally that that took on Kevin Anderson brought him through that he's not played brilliantly there is this shadow of a shoulder problem we don't know how bad that is um hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. And I don't, I don't think, are you trying to suggest to me that Djokovic has played brilliantly this tournament and he's at his absolute best? No, I don't think he's at his best, but I don't see how that so necessarily... No, well, my point is that you're suggesting that that may feed into the final. The final is a completely new match. I, I don't see... We've got more experience and evidence of Novak Djokovic showing that previous results on the way to a final mean nothing than anybody else. I mean, he is a different guy. I mean, his, and his resilience, his ability to still produce. Crikey, you know, for me, he's still the favourite for the final. Oh, well, you may well be right about the final being a completely different kettle of fish and performances up to now not being relevant. But equally, if Federer plays like he did today, I don't think Djokovic's performance or level is particularly relevant. I think Federer would beat Djokovic at his best if he plays the way he did today. Yeah, but in order to do that, Federer, I believe, just as he did, did today, needs to win in straight sets. Because if Novak Djokovic takes it into the trenches, and I felt this today, that if Andy Murray had managed to extend that match and turn it into a physical battle, I felt it could turn. Federer just didn't allow that. His, his, his brilliance was so extreme that Murray just couldn't live with it. Now... I think that Federer has got to reproduce that in order to win this title. I, I don't think he can... I think we saw it last year. He, he had wonderful spells in that final, but ultimately he just fell short physically, I felt, in, the, in that match against Novak Djokovic, who is the ultimate physical competitor. Now, can he dominate him? Can he dominate Novak Djokovic, the man that has been playing so well this year? That's the big question for me. He can if he played like he did did today. But hey, I do, I do agree with you. I I'm, I might give Cut Federer a bit more slack and say that I think he could do it in four. But I agree, if it goes to five, the balance suddenly shifts dramatically into Djokovic's favour, regardless of how well Federer has played up to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a Federer 
who, I mean, how on earth can Federer not be the favourite going into the final? I just don't see how that's conceivable, really, after today. Well, Catherine Whitaker and I have expressed our shock now, straight from his deadlines. Mr. Simon Briggs of The Telegraph has just joined us here on the Tennis Podcast. Simon, we are still jaws on the floor at what we've seen from Roger Federer. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't think anyone could argue with that. I mean, I've exhausted all the superlatives in, in the thesaurus. That's not an easy word for me to say, in my lisp. And um, I'm kind of now in a state of... Uh, post-writing exhaustion uh, but it was it was a privilege to see it wasn't it uh, painful from the British point of view we all want Andy to do well we all hope for the best of British tennis but uh, it could be the the best match uh, Rogers played out here I mean I guess he must have played that level to beat um, Rafa when he when he when he beat him in the 2007 final yeah but I mean I think ultimately he he won that in five sets against Rafa I, I mean, I think some of the performances that Federer has put in against Roddick over the years in the final, particularly 2005 here, spring to mind as, as, as mesmerizing performances. But he was up against one of the best players in the world today, a player who, frankly, is a better tennis player than Andy Roddick. Mm. And Andy Murray did not play badly today, and his service first serve percentage was high. It was in the 70s, I think. And yet he lost in straight sets. Yeah, I mean, Roddick was actually watching, so I listened to Roddick's thoughts, and that was interesting because he was saying, I didn't put as much pressure on Roger's serve as Andy is putting. Uh, but it wasn't really... I, I, mean, I said it was, it was like you're kind of scratching in a sheet of bulletproof glass. I mean, he wasn't making any mark. He was leaving no impact. Even when he held that service game of his own after 14 minutes, Roger then, what was 90 seconds, maybe two minutes to hold his own. And the other thing is that Roger's returns have surely never been as great. I mean... Uh, again, a technical point from Roddick. He said Andy had varied the second serve so well that he stopped him cheating and running around his backhand. He had to hit backhands. So what did he do? He hit backhand when the service returns. I mean, Roger's not supposed to do that. It's not even something that you consider when you sit down to work on the coaching before the match. It's not, it's not one of his artillery, but it was. I mean, it's kind of beyond, beyond my ken, really. And Mats Volander was saying very specifically that that shot he has Stefan Edberg to thank for. That backhand return is something Stefan Edberg has been drilling him on for weeks and months now. And uh, he has Edberg to thank for that one. And it was mightily effective today because I do not think Murray was prepared for it. Now, when you're watching these matches, you, you have a choice, don't you, Simon? You could either go to the press seats and be out in the open, with, effectively with the crowd... Or, depending on, I guess, where you are with your deadlines, you could be in front of your computer with, with the screen on, and you mentioned you were listening to Andy Roddick. What was the atmosphere like where you were watching? Well, I watched the first two sets on centre, and then I went back into the broadcast centre for the third. Uh, I thought at the first set, uh, you know, Rogers' aura was a factor because the crowd wasn't giving Andy anything, really. Uh, there was no um, extra impetus coming from being a British man on centre court, so... I mean, I'm not saying that Roger had a, had, a, had a superior following. There just wasn't anything really... The crowd was almost silent. They were kind of gripped by the tension and the, and the, and the supreme tennis on show. They, 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 were, they were almost dumbstruck. And then in the second set, they did get behind Andy, but it wasn't almost a partisan thing. It was more the thing that crowds do when they see um, a potentially short match that might get a bit longer if, if the guy who's losing can, can pull out a set. So they, they were kind of... They were, they, were, they were getting into Andy's 14-minute service game in a big way, and he did get some big cheers then. But I never felt that it, it was a partisan crowd either way, and maybe it needed to be for Andy to kind of find some extra inspiration. I mean, he possibly 
he was so beaten down by those service, uh, those serves that he never quite got into that state of mind when he is in the zone. He was good, but not brilliant. And but, I mean, I, who can blame him? Do you think he'll have many problems coming back from this and bouncing back? He's obviously got the Davis Cup coming up, and then he's got the well, the run into the next slam, hasn't he? The U.S. Open. Yeah, Davis Cup has come probably at a decent time. I mean, he said he'd have a two or three days when he's going to find this pretty hard to swallow because he finds a new slam defeat very hard to swallow. But the team environment is uh, something he loves. And it's a, let's, let's give Leon Smith some credit because it is obviously a team environment that they all love. So as soon as they get into that, they will, he'll, he'll be focusing on the, on the French. And that's uh, <laughs> two, two semi-finalists. They'd be playing in the third, fourth playoff of the World Cup, isn't it? And now, they're, now, they'd be, now they're playing in the Davis Cup. Absolutely. We will be bringing you a tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph every day from the Davis Cup by BNP Paribas next week. Now, before all that, we've got the two singles finals to look forward to. We've got the doubles final with Jamie Murray to look forward to as well. Garbin Muguruza against Serena Williams tomorrow. What are, what are your thoughts on that one, Catherine? I expect Muguruza to play really well and uh, to give Serena Williams a run for her money and be extremely competitive. I expect a competitive final, but I do think Serena will win it, probably in three. I'm probably going for Serena in three. I think Muguruza will perform really well on the big stage. I love everything I'm seeing from her. She did pre-final press today and she looked extremely relaxed in a very natural way. She didn't look like she was trying to give off an air of being relaxed uh, but actually covering up for anything she genuinely seemed like she belonged where she was going to be where she's going to be tomorrow but in a completely non-precocious or arrogant way she just believes in herself and has sort of an inner calm about it all so I think she will perform really well but uh, it's Serena Williams isn't it she's head and shoulders above everybody and she produces her best when it matters so I I do predict a Serena victory in three in three Simon well, look, Serena's the favourite, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility that she might find it very difficult uh, to get over the line with everything that's riding on this one. You can see that, can't you, with the superstitious nature of her answers at the moment. Do not mention the slam, she keeps saying. I don't want to talk about that. She's kind of got a mini slam if she wins here, and then she's got a chance of the maxi slam in New York. Um, if she won a second Serena slam, that's already um, pretty mind-blowing. Obviously, that means holding four slams, but not in the same calendar year. Um, I, I think it could definitely affect her, uh, and that is the one reason I, I don't think that Muguruza victory is out of the question. On the other hand, I guess for somebody who, who is relatively inexperienced, Muguruza might have her own problems closing. Closing. Uh, <laughs> that's my thesaurus issue again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean Serena probably in three, but uh, could go either way. Could be a great final. Could be a couple of great finals. We will preview the men's final in tomorrow's tennis podcast. We'll bring you our thoughts on the ladies' singles final tomorrow and also how Jamie Murray gets along as well in Saturday's tennis podcast. Brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Check out all of Simon's articles overnight and in the paper tomorrow morning. And everybody else that contributes to The Telegraph, always well worth doing. Have a look at wearetennis.com. We are supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. I will speak to you on Saturday. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 